Good morning, everyone. It is a privilege to be with you. Uh, welcome to the 10 o'clock service. I think the 8 o'clock service may be known for the rest of time as the day Christy broke Christmas. Um, apparently, I did something wrong. No, no, I'm joking. It was a little. It was a little story about Father Christmas, but we won't go there. This we won't go there. This your children are safe. Um, <laughs> but I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. Um, I'm one of those Christmas idealists. I start baking Christmas mince pies before the shops have their decorations out. Um, I have Michael Bublé and Boney M Christmas on repeat in my house. Um, you know, I, I, I fill my senses with the nostalgia of my, ch my childhood Christmases in Zimbabwe where we used to um, get Christmas cards from all over the world. You remember they used to have a letter in them with all the news and then you'd peg them on a little string in the lounge. Um, and I remember my Christmas tree. I remember the, the long Christmas table with all the relatives and the annuals that my sister and I used to get for Christmas every year, Bino. Desperate Dan, I don't know if anyone's old enough to remember that, but these are all Christmas memories for me, and as Christmas approaches, this is what I fill my senses with, and this is my expectation of Christmas, and you know, when you have these massive prescriptive expectations of what Christmas can look like, you're setting yourself up for disappointment, because Christmas doesn't often look well, often doesn't look like it does in your imagination. There's going to be no snow. You know, um, we got fruity flows as we came out of here. Those are more Durban Christmas than actual snow when you eat, you're eating the ice rather than looking at the ice. Um, and my family are spread around the world. There won't be a long Christmas table of family. It will be filled with friends. Um, and Christmas often looks very, very different. And then when it comes to the gifts as well, you know, that's often where we can set ourselves up for the biggest disappointment, is what we're asking for for Christmas. Uh, we always ask our children what they would like for Christmas, and one of my sons, he, he, he messaged me a list complete with online shopping links and a total of what it was going to cost. He, this kid knows me so well. He knows I don't want to set foot in a shop. He, he, need, he knows that I need to know the costs, and he, wants to, he knows that I love organization. This was, like, this was a gift to me, this list. It was a bit expensive, so he went back and reworked it. That I love as well, you know? Um, I, and then I, I, was, I was on Instagram the other day, and there was this, um, this mom, a, a mom of grown children, and she was with one of her grown-up daughters, and... Um, this daughter said to her mom, Mom, what do you want for Christmas? And she said, oh, you know, I just want all of my grown children to be happy and secure and safe. And this grown-up daughter said, Mom, that's a lot of pressure. Can I just get you a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, with gifts, we can also set ourselves up for a little bit of disappointment. My only thing on my Christmas list is a pair of those scissors with a magnet that sticks to the fridge. You know, my gift for 2023, the best thing my family can do for me is for a pair of scissors for once to be available when I need them in my kitchen. And so that is my Christmas list. So Brad has a very specific task for the next one week. I hope he can fulfill it, but I might be set up for disappointment if the shops don't actually stock that thing. Um, but your, your series that you guys have been doing, is, is a, it's called The Gift That Matters, um, and it's the gift of Jesus. And the reality is, is that even the gift of Jesus can somehow not be the gift we'd hoped it would be. 
And that's a reality. When I received the gift of salvation, I was living in South Korea and I rode my bicycle to the edge of a paddy field. I didn't know much about church. I hadn't grown up around Christian protocol. And I'd just been spending time listening to some things and reading the word of God. And I, and I just sat there and I said, to, I said to God, God, I know there must be more to life than this. I know there must be a better way to live than this. Please take my brokenness, take my mistakes, take my fears, take my pain, take my dreams, and make something of this life. And that was my salvation moment. I don't know what date it was. I don't know if that makes me like a proper Christian if you can't write down your salvation date, but I hope not. Um, but it was a very simple moment. There was, there was, no, there was no big, um, you know, angels descending and nothing, nothing really changed other than something simple shifted in my heart and I made a decision to live according to his ways, to learn the voice of his spirit, to, to, to learn the life of Jesus and model my life upon that. And for a time, it was quite simple. We joined a, a, a group of believers in South Korea where we lived and we started to study the Bible and it was pretty simple for a while. But quite quickly, life gets complicated. Quite quickly, um, you know, you start to have little doubts. You start to, um, you know, have these, these thoughts that, that, oh my gosh, maybe, you know, this isn't as simple as I thought it was going to be. And we can somehow get disappointed in Jesus, <laughs> that he isn't what we expected him to be. And in my relationship with God, I love, I love using the, the picture of the potter. Um, some of you might know the scripture. It's quite a well-known scripture where it talks about, about God as the potter and us as the clay. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can look it up. Um, if you don't, it's going to be on the, on the screen behind it, and it says this. It's from Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the works of your hands. And I love this picture. I love this idea that God is a master craftsman. He's a potter who sits at the wheel of my life and shapes me. I love this idea that, that I'm so safe in his hands because he knows what he's doing. If any of you have seen pottery being done, it's a beautiful thing to watch. If you haven't, Google it, it's pretty cool. The, the potter sits on the stool in front of the spinning wheel um, and he controls it with his foot and this wheel spins and this lump of brown, boring clay is on this on this wheel, and slowly in his hands, as he, as he adds some water, he starts to shape it, um, and he starts to mold it, and he pulls off little bits or impurities or things that shouldn't be there, and he slowly molds it. And I love this picture um, of God, that, that I am his clay, and that I am yielding to um, his hands, um, and that he's creating something beautiful with me, that he's, that, he, that he's got this vision in his imagination of Christy and her life. And in his hands, he's, he's doing something amazing. I love this picture. And I love the picture of me as the malleable clay, so yielding, so compliant, so trusting in the master craftsman. But the reality is, there have been plenty of times in my life where I've been very badly behaved clay. You know, where I have not been malleable, where I've been hard, where I've been stiff, where I've, 
um, I really haven't yielded to his hands. And um, I'm going to share just kind of two things that, that have happened in my life that you might identify with in terms of this picture of the potter and the clay. And the one is where sometimes we decide that the potter is a much more fun role than the clay. You know, this is my life story. Surely I should have the starring role in it. Um, surely I should have control of what it looks like. And so what we do is we say to God, can you just scoot over and just stand over there? I really do want you around. I know you, you're pretty smart and, you know, you've got good advice and I want you to guide me. But I'm just going to sit at the wheel if that's okay. I'm going to shape my life. And we, we kind of hold God off to one side and we, and we say, no, 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 let me do this because you, you don't really get it. You know you, you know, you tell me I must forgive this person, but you don't know what they've done. Just let me just control this. And um, you, don't really, you don't really know, you know, you know, you don't know how tight my finances are. Like, I'm not going to tithe, you know, it's just, you know, um, but, but, oh gosh, this, this thing's wobbling. Um, can you just give me some advice over here? Like, I don't really know what's going on. I need, I need some expert input. And um, so, so maybe we, when things go, go wrong, we might pray or we, we might kind of take um, the, the parts of the Bible and Scripture that, that make us feel good, that encourage us, that are our daily affirmations, um, you know. But then those ones that make us feel uncomfortable, we're like, no, 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 God, just keep those in your pockets. So it's going to be easier for everyone that way. Um, and And... If we are real, we haven't allowed him to be Lord. We've allowed him to be more of a consultant um, in our lives. And um, so sometimes we, when, when parts of Jesus that, that we, we, don't, um, we don't feel like fit or comfortable, we leave those out. Um, sometimes it's just self-preservation. You know, there's a lot of reasons, and we'll get to those just now. But a lot of the time, we are sitting at the, at the, um, at the potter's wheel and, and God is over there. And because God is so gracious and so gentle and so kind, and because he is so loving, he will not boot us off that seat. He will wait. He will stand there. And I sometimes think, you know, when I've done what, what seems right in my eyes, but I know is not right, um, I wonder if there's pain in his eyes as he watches because he knows how that's going to play out because he didn't come up with a bunch of arbitrary rules and put them in a book. He created humanity and then gave us a blueprint of, of how to flourish. And so when we make these decisions that are out of line with, with who we were created to be and, and his ways, I can imagine the pain that he must feel for my life because he knows um, what those choices are going to be in the long term, but he just waits. He waits for us because he's a gracious king, um, and he knows that, that love um, is never forceful. And then the other thing, and this is the one that I find myself doing quite a lot, is I've given God lordship of my life. He's in the wheel. I know I'm safe in his hands. I know he's got good plans for me. I know that um, you know, he's shaping me, he's forming me, he's doing something in my life. But there are times where I stand and I look over his shoulder and I go, mm, God, can you, can you just do it like this? This pot's going to look so much better if you just take the pressure off a little bit. Or, you know, if you add that or if you do that. And I become a consultant to God in the shaping of my life. Um, and, and I think we do this from time to time because, because we think we 
we maybe know a little bit better than God. I actually had a, a very real experience of this not so long ago. It was probably about three or four weeks ago, actually, and something that I thought was very unfair happened to one of my kids. You know, um, it's one thing when something unfair happens to you, but as a mom, when something unfair happens to one of your kids, that mama bear raises, rises up within you, and I was cross. <laughs> I was cross with the people who made the decision, and I was cross with God, if I'm honest. Um, and you know, I was, I, I actually am embarrassed to admit this, but I, my prayer to God was, God, this is not right, and you need to fix it. That was my prayer. And I threw that whole thing back at, at God, you know, God, you're a God of justice. Show yourself to be a God of justice. I'm embarrassed to even say these words out loud to you, but I just want to be real. And I ranted and I, and I, I stomped my foot and I sulked like a little child. And I was putting my hands over the thing going, God, just fix it. Just, you need to put your hand there. You need to do that. You need to do that. And then I just took a breath and I stepped back and I was like, okay, God, show me what you're doing. I don't understand. This is hard. This is hurting me. This is hurting my child. But I need to understand. And I just, and, and as I stepped back, I slowly saw what I think God is doing. I'm still not completely sure, but I, but I was able to, to, to see that I had been sucked into the world's picture of success and what it looks like for my children to, you know, succeed in the world or whatever. Um, and I started to meditate on Jesus and think, well, Jesus, there's lots of unfairness in his life. It didn't mean that, that the father wasn't doing what he, and Jesus wasn't living um, his plan. And so, and so as, as I step back and I go, okay, I'll give you control again. But, but if you're like me, there, there, there are a lot of times when, when I'm doing that, um, you know, where I, I try and take back a little bit of control. And you know what, when we start to try and take control, whether it's just over the potter's shoulder or moving the potter out altogether and taking the seat, most of the time it's rooted in some kind of fear. So for me, there was a fear for my child in that moment. There was a fear for their future, for something. Sometimes it's a fear of, for our financial security or the success of my business, or a relationship. Sometimes we, we do things in our relationship that we know are not in line with the word of God, but we're scared of losing a person or something happening. And there's, there's usually a fear um, based there. And so it's kind of this thing of, can I really trust this potter? And I know in my life that I can't white knuckle my way into trusting the potter. I can't go, okay, I'm going to trust. Okay, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. There is a beautiful scripture that says, perfect love casts out fear. And so that fear that causes us to try and take control when Jesus is not showing up quite like we expected, the only way for me to get rid of that fear is through perfect love. And Jesus is perfect love. And so it's meditating on who the potter is that causes me to be able to put my trust in him, to take my hands off that wheel, to step back, and actually to become <laughs> the clay again. 
And so I just, want to, I just want to share a scripture that a lot of us know well, and it's especially at Christmas time we see this scripture, but I love this scripture. And I, and I think um, if you can put this, um, that scripture up from Isaiah 9 verse 6, it's, I often think, you know, Isaiah was prophesying the birth of Jesus when he spoke these words, and how, how God just got so much of who Jesus is into one sentence. Um, you know, we could do a series on this for, for years <laughs> to just try and unpack what this is. But, but I think, you know, if you, if you have your Bible with you, highlight this, draw circles around it. If you have a phone, go get it off Bible Gateway or whatever app you use and make it your screen, your home screen. Because this is for me to meditate on who Jesus is it just builds this deep trust in the potter and his work in my life. Um, and we don't have a lot of time to go into this, but I just want to quickly um, just take a couple of these. So Cubs, you can just leave the scripture up again like we did last time. Don't worry to put the other scriptures up. But I just want to look at a couple of these things. Um, and the first one is that Jesus is our wonderful counselor. So he's not just a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. His, his wisdom and the counsel and the guidance he gives in my life is wonderful. It's not always logical. doesn't say he's your logical counselor. <laughs> he, but he's a wonderful counselor. You know, there's a lot of good wisdom in the world. I have, I have a lot of amazing friends, a lot of people who I go to for wisdom. But there's also a lot of wisdom in this world that seems good but is not. It, it can seem logical but it's not, it doesn't line up with the word of God and therefore it will not lead to life. I had such a real experience of this about, I think it was about four months ago. Some of you may know that I'm, uh, I've written a, a couple of books, I've written two books. And um, I wrote my first book probably about maybe six, five or six years ago now, and I've always used the same printers in Cape Town. They're an amazing company. I've dealt with one specific person. I will literally send them an email saying, this is how many copies of my book I need, and then they send them to me, they invoice, and I pay, and we've just had an amazing relationship. And um, I hadn't dealt with them for a while, and I emailed them and said, please could I have this many copies of my book? And I, and I got an email back from the man that I had always dealt with, this incredible, efficient, lovely person, saying, I'm sorry if this is how you're hearing about this for the first time, but I've left the company. The company has been bought by another organization, but don't worry, you're in safe hands. Here's your new contact person. And I am very trusting. I'm very optimistic. I'm very positive. And so I was like, oh, cool, no problems. So I contacted the person, I put in my order, the first thing that was different was they asked me for a deposit, but I thought, okay, new company, bigger company, that's fine. I paid the deposit, and then things started to go a little bit wrong. Um, so the, the first thing that went wrong is that they couldn't find my proofs, the, the pages of my book to print from. And, um, and then there were just one or things, and I just started to get uneasy. Now, I'd paid over a lot of money. <laughs> but I was now feeling very uneasy about whether I was actually gonna get my books, and if I did, what were they gonna look like? Because these people were showing themselves to be very unprofessional. And then I get a call from this man who used to work for them, um, saying to me, I'm really sorry that you didn't know, but I've left the company because it is in a shambles. It is tanking fast, and um, if you can, 
um, you need to, to get your deposit back and I'll print your books for you. And I trusted him. He was a great guy. I knew, I knew without any doubt that if I gave my work to this guy, it would get done, no problem. So I, I was like, okay, let me see if I can get my deposit back. And then he said, yeah, just tell them that you found a new printer in Durban. Now, they're all in Cape Town, and so is he. Tell them you found a new printer in Durban. It's more convenient for you, and you'd like your deposit back. And so now this unease starts in my gut. And then he says, oh, and by the way, please don't tell them that I'm printing your books because I have a non-compete um, for the next two weeks, and so I can't actually legally do it, but it'll be fine. So I come off the call, and I'm like, oh. Now I'm stressing about this money that I've paid. I need it. It's not pocket change. And I was like, and you know, the logic of the world is like, just tell the lies. No one's going to get hurt. You're going to get your money back and you're going to be okay. But I knew I couldn't do it because Jesus tells me not to lie. <laughs> you know, he tells me to, to let to, to, to let everything be above board and in the light. And now I was going to operate in the darkness. And so I messaged him and I, I said to him, I will definitely use you in future, but I just can't do it. I'm just going to have to trust God in this moment. And so I did. I, I, I went through the process. I got my box of books. Um, I opened it up terrified and they were fine. They were perfect. And I sold those books faster than I've ever sold books in the history of ever writing books. And so... Yeah, that's Jesus. Let's clap for Jesus because that's what he does, you know. Um, there's a way that seems logical to man. But if it does not line up with the ways of God, it leads to death. And if we, if we believe this, if we believe he's our wonderful counselor, we can trust him. The only, I, was not, I was not not terrified in that moment. The only reason I did it is because I trusted Jesus. And I trusted Jesus that even if I lost all of that money and I never got my books or my books were revolting, that he would still be there and I would still be fine. And so he is our wonderful counselor. And then he's also our peace. You know, peace is a big deal. Um, it, it, I've realized in studying the word of God that often when, when Jesus talks about, when the word talks about peace, it talks about fear as well. So it talks about, so it's almost like these are the opposites. So we often think of courage as the opposite of fear, maybe. But, but God, God actually gives us peace, and then we get courage. Um, Tim Keller, when he talks about this, he's, he's one of my favorite Bible teachers. He's based at a, a church in New York called a Presbyterian Church in New York. And he says, you know, the world's way to peace is empty your mind. Focus on nothing for a time, and then you have peace. So you, whatever pose, I don't know. Um, and you just have peace for that time. But what, what our faith tells us is fill your mind with Jesus, and you're still in your problems, but you will have peace. And it will not end at the end of that 45-minute meditation session. You will carry it with you wherever you go. Our daughter, Emily, who's 15, now was born eight weeks early and very, very sick. 
Um, she had something called um, strep B with, con um, with pneumonia. She was born in Bloemfontein. For those of you who might have been part of the New Covenant Ministries, you'll remember the, the leadership training times that used to happen there. She was born during one of those. So we were far from home. She was eight weeks prem, and she was very, very sick. She was on ventilators. She had lumbar punctures. She had fluid drained from her heart. Um, she was a very sick child for a number of weeks. Um, but when I first went into early labor, I was lying in this, in this hotel room. Brad had gone to the session, and I was scared because uh, I realized this was way too early. And um, I just picked up my Bible, and I thought, where do you go if you want to know how big God is? And I thought, Job. <laughs> Um, so I went to Job and I, I flipped it open like any good Christian does, you know, speak to me. <laughs> and thankfully he did. Um, and I read the scripture that said, do I not know when the, mountain when the mountain goats give birth? Do I not know the month that they bear down and give birth to their young? And so that, that truth just settled in my spirit and I phoned Brad. It was quite funny because the session that was going on was on sexual immorality amongst pastors, and Brad had to get up and walk out. <laughs> so that was quite, God has a sense of humor. And we went to the hospital, and Emily was born, and things weren't great. It didn't look good for her. She was very, very small. Her lungs were not developed, and um, it was an Afrikaans community, and uh, we had the most incredible support from the church there, but, but the doctor would come in and he would say in the morning either she's, look, what, she's looking good today or she's not, things are not looking good today. Um, but at the beginning of that time, God had given us um, that very well-known scripture um, from Philippians 4 where it says, be anxious for nothing, but if, with prayer and thanksgiving, present your requests to God and peace that passes understanding will guard your heart in Christ Jesus. Those four weeks are, I promise you, without a shadow of a doubt, I will tell you there is a peace that passes understanding. When a doctor comes and says, it's not looking good, and your child is, is not breathing on their own, and you are just covered in this peace that you don't know where it came from, because you should be terrified, that can only be Jesus. And, and so he is our perfect peace. He is peace in the midst of the scariest moments of our life. Um, it, is, it is so real. Um, and so he is. And you know what it says there? He's the prince of peace. And so he has authority over peace. He can tell it where to go and what to do. And he can put it on you if you ask him to. Um, and, it, and I promise you, sometimes you don't even know how it came to be there. And, and I love um, Daniel. Daniel's such an amazing character in the Bible. God got him to do some crazy things. Um, and there's this one um, part in the book of Daniel where, where Jesus appears to Daniel as a man, and Daniel just falls over. He's just terrified. And I wonder if he's terrified because it's just the awe of God, or he's just terrified because he knows, what is, what is God going to ask me this time? <laughs> and so anyway, he falls over. And then he says, Daniel says this, again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Um, Do not be afraid, you who are deeply loved. 
he said. So Jesus is saying to Daniel, do not be afraid, you who are deeply loved. Peace, be strong now, be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So this is that moment of, of Daniel going, okay, I'm your clay. And I can be your clay because you've given me peace. And in that peace, I find strength to just let go and let you do what you want to do. In his touch and his presence, we have peace. And I know I'm jumping around a bit, but he's also our forever father. Forever, he's our father. So for this little blip of a life that we lead, he's your father. And to understand what that means, some, you know, we can maybe look back at the context of the Bible and when it was written. Who your father was is a big deal. So when the creator of the universe says, I'm your father, it means he's given you your identity. He's given you your belonging. He said who you are. He's given you your authority. He's given you your worth. He's given you your security. You are so safe. You are so secure. You, you have, you have this, this backing of a father's name. And so we, are so, we, we, we should find so much security in knowing who our Father is. Um, and so much, so much self-assurance, not in who we, who we've, who we are creating in our, in our own works, but in whose name we bear. And then the good news doesn't stop there because He's our Father for now, but He's also our Father forever. So there's going to be a moment where our step out of this realm, and I step into eternity, and it's going to be the same, except, like we sang this morning, I'm going to see him face to face, so it's going to be even better. So we don't have to fear death, we don't have to fear um, judgment because of Jesus, and so we have this Father forever. And then the last thing that I just want to touch on is that he's mighty God. Again, I think the words are so important. The one thing is mighty. It means powerful. It means, because, you know, sometimes I think we think, oh, maybe Jesus can't do this. Or Jesus isn't powerful enough for this. He's mighty. He, he has everything he needs to take care of you. He has everything he needs to shape you into something. You are something incredible already, so don't, um, yeah, don't hear what I'm not saying. But, but he... he He's got what it takes, and he is so wise, and he's so loving, and he knows what to do with our lives, and he's God, <laughs> so we should probably let him, you know, we probably should, because he's God, and, and he, is, he is so good and so powerful, and he's willing and able um, to, to create um, these, the, these beautiful things in our lives, and then so the funny thing is, is that often we do something that is, that is um, Isaiah said hundreds of years ago, and if it wasn't so true, it would be funny. He says this, it's in Isaiah 29, verse 16, and he's talking to the people, to um, the people of Israel. You turn things upside down, as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall what is formed say to the one who formed it, you did not make me. Can the pot say to the potter, you know nothing? 
But if we're honest, we sometimes do that. <laughs> we sometimes think we know better than God, that our logical thinking, that our, that our culture, that this, the, the kind of um, woke culture that we live in somehow knows more than God does. We do that. We do it often, actually. I do that. You know, I kind of have these ways of thinking, and then I think, well, wait a minute. <laughs> That's not true. I've just heard it too many times. It's becoming normal to me. Um, and so we, we do. We flip these things on our heads. And so in, these, in this week that leads up to Christmas, I really encourage you, take the Scripture. Spend some time with it. All Scripture is powerful, and this one is no different. Ask God to reveal again to you why you can trust Him, why you are safe in His hands, why you should yield um, to His plans for your life, um, and allow Him to give you a deep, fresh, life-changing revelation of who this potter is. And if you're here this morning and you've, you've ne- you don't even know what it means to have this you know, pottery, clay, what is this person on about? Um, It just simply means this. Like I did next to a paddy field, it simply means God saying to God, would you take this life? You are welcome in the seat. (laughs) I want you to shape me. I want you to take off me the things that, that are not of you, and I want to yield my life to you. And I can make you a promise that you are safe in his hands. And then if you are like me and perhaps you, you follow Jesus for a few years or a long time and you either have been holding him at arm's length or you've been peeping over his shoulder, putting your hands over his and trying to control things out of, out of maybe fear of how they might turn out, my encouragement is you're safe in his hands. Yield, step back, give God the seat that belongs to him. Um, don't keep him at arm's length. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Um, I once did some work with Angus Bucken, who's a, a quite a well-known speaker specifically to men, and um, he said this to me. He said, in my walk with Jesus, I am less of a partner with God and more of an awestruck bystander. And I think when we step back and we become the clay again, we will be awestruck when we see what God does. And it's scary. It's really, really scary to give, um, to relinquish control of your life. Um, but, I, but I honestly think we will, be more, we will be awestruck. And so this Christmas, let's not be prescriptive, even about Christmas, about what Christmas looks like, um, what the food should be. I've got my menu planned. But what the food should be, what the day should be, what the gifts should be, let's take off our prescriptions of Christmas and gifts and all of that. And let's just focus on the presence of Jesus wherever we find ourselves, whether we're on our own um, with, our, with our family at a big table. And let's, let's make space for Jesus to show up how he wants to show up in our lives. Um, whether it's uncomfortable or inconvenient. And as we look ahead to 2023, let's yield. Let's yield. Let's give God his rightful place at the potter's wheel. Yield, you know, um, I'm, I'm one of those people who has a, has a word for the year. And I'm thinking that mine's going to be yield. And you guys can have it too. There can be everybody's. 
But let's do that. Let's yield to the work of his hands and let's just see what he does. Amen? So let me pray. Father God, thank you for this time. We thank you for Christmas. With all of the trappings and the excesses, we thank you for this moment where we remind ourselves of the greatest gift of all time, the gift that was, is, and will always be perfect, the gift of Jesus, the gift of salvation, the gift of restoration of our relationship with you. And so we yield to you today. We give you your rightful place at the potter's wheel, and we take our place as the malleable clay, so safe in your hands, and we trust you, Jesus. We trust you and we say, take our lives and make something beautiful because we know that that is always your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Bacon rolls. Quickly before we eat them all.